Hi, Lisa. Welcome to 2021. How are you doing? Hi, Alex. Thank you. It's great to be here in 2021. As we say, through gritted teeth. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the documentary, The Social Dilemma. And this was your suggestion. So why are we talking about it? Yeah, I can't remember why I watched it in the first place, but I definitely saw it as a recommendation and I thought, yeah, I jumped on and had a look at it. And um, after I watched it, I was um, deeply, deeply disturbed. Um, so I thought it would be a good one for us to, to ruminate over and chat through. Yeah. Uh, tell me about one thing in particular that disturbed you. Look, the thing that really um, shook me up uh, was the bit quite early on in the, in the doco where they are talking about um, the objectives of social media platforms, which is that um, their business model is to compete for your attention um, and they profit the longer you are on their platform. Um, and as someone who's constantly struggling with time as my most valuable commodity, that just got me. And was that something that you'd not thought about before or not put into those words? Like why is, I guess why, I agree that it's shocking, but why is it shocking? Yeah, see, look, I knew that, um, I knew that they all built algorithms to profile you. And in some ways that didn't necessarily bother me insofar as you're going to profile me to show me ads for products that I like and would otherwise not know about, which seems quite a useful thing for me. Um, although I will say that I got caught out one time on Facebook where I got scammed by an ad. And after that, I actually won't buy anything off Facebook because I can't tell what's, what's real and what's a scam. So that's sort of um, a double-edged sword for them, you would think. Um, but yeah, it didn't necessarily bother me that that's why you were profiling me, but in, in order to then show me material selectively that will make me continue to stay on your website really bothers me because, um, and actually like in some ways that bothered me the most, even though it then the doco then goes on to talk about how that the, then they try to tweak you slightly and that that's the um that's the product that they're selling to their their investors yeah when we were discussing this you put in the quote that it's the gradual slight imperceptible change in your behavior and perception that is the product so it's not even, as you say, that they're trying to sell you stuff. They're actually, that argument says they're actually trying to change you, presumably so that you buy more stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that breaks out into a wider discussion beyond this, which is that, um, like, I'd never necessarily bought into the idea that staying on social media made you more depressed, insofar as, for me... I know that people are editing the photos that they 
present, right? Like all photos everywhere are edited. We're used to magazines where things are airbrushed, right? So in some ways, um, I'm not as um, persuaded when when you see somebody's really nice backyard or some fantastic, you know, picture of their house or whatever, and you know that that's an edited shot and that out of the shot is all the mess, right? Like I, I don't look at that and think, oh, my life sucks, right? Like I didn't buy into that side of it. Um, in the same way that when I look at a cover of a magazine, I am aware that that model's been airbrushed, right? Um, what fascinates me, though, about looking at, at photos where they've airbrushed is the way that the person who has either done the airbrushing or asked for the airbrushing, their view of what a better version of that person would look like, that's quite fascinating. Um, but, like, that doesn't, like, I, I've been aware for a long time, I'm ex-gen, I'm aware of a long time that, you know, ads want to make you think that there's a problem in order to make you buy something, right? Oh, the world is full of germs. You need to buy disinfectant. Um, but I could see from watching this documentary how they actually are manipulating you to feel bad. And it made me think about how depressed I got when I was away from home because Facebook had shown me pictures of parties that I hadn't been invited to. And I only was thinking about that one on the rewatch because we I rewatched it before we recorded this, that it was like, oh, so yeah, now that you mention it, I don't actually see a lot of that person's photos. Um, why did they show me that one? And so, so that manipulation of how you feel um, is really disturbing. That the, the, the product is... And that gets into that neurology, the neuroscience stuff. Um, because I don't think I'm particularly addicted to my phone. And I actually picked up my phone to have a look at the stats. And I don't touch my phone a lot. But I'm on my laptop, so I don't need to. But I can definitely go a day without being online. I don't think I have that, um, that dopamine hit thing um, that they were talking about. But... Um, Yeah, I, I definitely think that that for people where that, that works, that it's the idea that it's not even it's not even that they care about your feelings, right? Like they don't care which feelings you have. Yeah. They just want to initiate feelings that will keep you on the website longer. So it's it's it would be nefarious, but the nefariousness is that they that the companies don't have an objective other than making money. Yep. And then that, that, that is what in reality they have created in the US where you have a situation where otherwise rational people won't take action to prevent the spread of a disease because their perceptions have been slightly changed through social media for the last four years. And that's really dangerous. Yeah, I think and, and, and that all they want is to make more money. Like that's that's their objective. They don't yeah. care about the outcome. Yeah, I think 
talking about like motivations and whether it's nefarious or not there's two different things there and I think this is brought up in the documentary too there's one there's the purpose of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter which is to use advertising to make money for shareholders which at least one of them says it's like you know if you accept capitalism you have to accept that that's kind of that, that that's okay but then there's the people who are manipulating the whole way that it works Chinese Russian whoever else to manipulate um, elections and all those sorts of things like so there's then the, the, you know the, the the bad actors who can manipulate the way that those platforms work so I, think I mean and that's really interesting too separate things because yeah. In, in, in basket B, where you've got bad actors using the system to manipulate it for specific outcomes, yep. that's, that's what, international warfare, right? Yeah. Basket A, that's still not um, without um, sin, right? Like, even if, you're, if your objective is to make people addicted to your website, if your objective is to make people feel bad about themselves so that they'll buy products, that's also not cool. Like manipulating people is not, that's not a healthy relationship, really. And that's what it came down to, right? This is an unhealthy relationship and I'm trying to get rid of those in my life. And this is some kind of abusive thing going on. And the only thing that I get out of it is what? Some baby pictures of my friends? I mean, I definitely, I, I mean, I definitely think that there's a lot of really good things I've gotten out of, say, for example, Facebook, in terms of connecting to people that I otherwise would not have connected to, or staying in touch with people that I otherwise would not have stayed in touch with. But when it comes back to why won't they just show us the chronological timeline or why won't they just show you the people that you've followed? I just want to see all their stuff every day. Yeah. That's the answer to that question. And when you come back to the idea of if you, if you accept capitalism, that that's the point. I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think that um, where we've gotten to in the world is that for some reason, capitalism has managed to uncouple itself from regulation or from the idea that it can be regulated, that you can put some moral constraints on the way that you make money. I think that's a, you know, I'm, I'm not an economist, I'm not I'm really a polit political science student, but it seems to me that that's a really American take on the idea of capitalism. Like it's, because I mean, capitalism really, and it doesn't want to be regulated. Right. Um, but there are plenty of other countries that have a basically capitalist model where the politics does inflect it differently so that, you know, you have a tax structure and all those sorts of things and capitalism is made to work for social good in some way, don't at me. Um, but it seems to me that the, like the extremes of American politics in individualism and small government and all that kind of stuff like that's what that version of capitalism looks like I think that the American system has I think that America rather than the American system has been um pervert has perverted itself such that the end point of capitalism is what we are seeing so that um in some ways, their system should 
be able to work except that if you manage to um, continue to get into power and then you can manipulate again those, um, you know, legally, lots of quotes, legally, but not necessarily morally, if you can manipulate those things. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that morals and morality and legality aren't one and the same. Um, then you can continue to pervert your system such that this is the end point where there is no regulation, right? Um, and and that the the minority rule and that the rich are those with the power. Um, and that, that, that yeah, that's where we've really gotten to. And I think, yeah, in Australia, we're not quite at that point, but there's certainly, um, there are certainly people who would like that to be the point who have power at the moment. Uh, you know, have some power, but they don't have all the power. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's it's really you know, and it was really funny because the first time that I watched the documentary, I did what the guy said at the end, and I turned off almost all my notifications on apps, um, and um, yeah, and then Facebook started sending me those, um, <laughs> you know, like when you what. Uh, what, reanimation? Elisa <laughs> has posted an update. A lot's happened on Facebook since you were last here. And suddenly, so like all these, like, because I still get a lot of messages, right? Because, um, you know, it's a good way to keep in contact with mums at school that you've just met. Um, and so then, then suddenly my email was starting to tell me that people had sent me messages when normally it doesn't bother telling me my mum sent me another message, right? Like, ah, oh, hello, feeling lonely, are you, Facebook? <laughs> I think the regulation issue is going to be a really interesting one. I mean, globalisation's nothing new. It's existed for thousands of years. But, um, you know, A, as the documentary points out, these are the richest companies that have ever existed. Yeah. And they are operating like this is a different version of globalization from what we've seen in the past in you know in the middle ages you might have been selling goods in england from china but your business was in england um with these companies like and again it, it, there are different companies who act like this and over the last few decades it's but now we're trying to think about well is australia as a country able to put some sort of regulation around Facebook, for instance, what could that look like? And and how do you avoid the whole, um, you know, the differences or the arguments around um, China, for instance, preventing or trying to prevent its population from accessing Facebook, blah, 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 all those sorts of um, questions. You know, if you stop people from using Facebook, is it preventing them from having freedom of communication, which is potentially a problem if you stop Facebook from operating in your country what are you saying about technology but if you allow Facebook to have no regulation in your company then that's also a problem <laughs> so I think I'm yeah it's really I'm not making these policies well they're, they're complicated and um, I have been following some of the Congress the US Congress um, committee hearings where they bring in um, Facebook CEOs and, and Jack Dorsey from Twitter and a few other people. And they also bring in, I think they had the, the guy who sort of kickstarted um, 
this documentary. Um, and they're talking to uh, representatives who do not understand the technology that they're trying to think about regulating. Yep. So um, the smart people are sitting on the wrong side of the table in so, it, at the point at which you're trying to overlay a moral framework around both technology and money-making. Um, you know, at least they had Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez there uh, on that, she's on that committee. And so she asked some really great questions um, and she is this, and that's just why it's so interesting, you know, like I can't put down the whole US government thing. Um, but looking at how changing your diversity makeup of the people uh, just affects so much. Like, and, and you can't do that on any one set of um, axes because, you know, you need so much diversity to get people who understand, you know, what the potential issues are. Um, so that's, um, you know, and I guess, I guess also with the pandemic this year, it's also been interesting to have to watch the US Congress try and figure out a lot of technology um, and rules in order to still work, but, you know, not kill each other. Um, and I say that really flippantly, except one um, elect representative couldn't be sat yesterday because he's died. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it, I guess in that way it's scary because um, the smart people are still on the wrong side of the table for that. And so I don't know that. I guess one of the one of the women who was interviewed said it's it, it'll it'll happen, but it'll take a really long time. And I guess that's one of the reasons because we're not really going to understand how how to regulate it. Uh, but when you were talking about different countries, it reminded me of I think was it was it Amazon who didn't want to um, charge GST on on um. digital products oh, in Australia know, could have been. and so they were like oh well we're just not going to sell here then and it's like but like Ravelry figured out how to add GST yeah. so how can you not and then they only lasted a couple of months before they were like fine we'll write this into our code and like mm. fix it. So they it. can actually be pressured by customers to do that aspect. Well by the country. Was, yeah and, and yeah. it was about that also is a financial pressure. Too. Correct. So. Correct. Mm. And they were like, no, we just think that the Australian government was like, no, we just think that there's too much transactions that we're not taking our GST cut from to allow this to continue. Mm. Um, but it's also like there are a bunch of rules and taxation that exist in other countries that I've often with my business gone, yeah, but I'm not in Europe. So I don't actually, it doesn't actually, I don't have to obey your rules because you can't make me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't exist in your, like, I, and um, it, it, it's sort of like you get into these hilarious, I don't get into them, but I like follow the, the Twitter threads where you have Americans saying, but it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, yeah, but we're not, we're not in America. So we're not actually down by... We're on Twitter, but we're not in America. So we don't have to, yeah. like the First Amendment doesn't apply to us and we don't actually have freedom of speech. So, you know, and also this isn't what censorship is, but aside from that, and then it was really fascinating to watch this one guy who just like couldn't get the idea that 
we're not in America, we're not bound by America's laws. Like that doesn't, that's not how it works, right? Like this is a really complicated, and it was, it was fascinating, but yeah, um, amusing. So, uh, and in a time when the world is the least cohesive, it's not like the world leaders are going to come together and regulate companies that are bigger than, than the world. Which comes back to the morality of it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. then you personally have to like wrestle with that. Yeah, and that, so there's what four billion of us wrestling with that. Except it's fewer than that because there's a whole bunch of people who aren't thinking about those as issues. Which is something like when you were talking about how you know that magazine models, for instance, are airbrushed and all that sort. There's a lot of people who don't. Like I forget sometimes when I look at an image and I think wow she's or he's whatever and then I have to actively remind myself that's probably not what they look like in real life um Mm. there's a lot of people for whom that's not a a, a conscious realization hence why you can get the manipulation that that we see right and of for really intelligent people they're still being we still get sucked into that you know, I don't think I live in an echo chamber and then I look at who I follow on social media and I'm like, mm, no, I kind of do. But I think that they're right. So is it a problem? You know? <laughs> well, it's like, is, is it bad if I'm screening out idiot? Like, do I have to listen to stupid? Like, I don't know yeah. the that woman, I'm a... I can't remember what her name was. She was saying that she follows people on Twitter that she actively disagrees yes. with. Sure. Which I think is really interesting but I have consciously chosen not to do that because I think that that would genuinely be bad for my mental health to sit there yeah, being I... angry at people being quote unquote wrong or misunderstanding would... or whatever else. Yeah. I would have liked her to expand on what, what she actually <laughs> means by that. Like for example, I have on, on Twitter, and I think it's really interesting because I use TweetDeck, I don't use the Twitter app, so I don't actually have um, ads and everything is still provided to me in chronological order, which is actually really important for me because the main reason that I use Twitter is to follow news and current events. So, like, don't give me that out of order. That's ridiculous. Um, and I have, I have one um, column that's my list for news And I try to have a range of news outlets. I don't have Fox News and I don't have Sky News, but I have um, maybe central and maybe centre-right a little bit um, in order to to see the the more conservative inversions. Um, And I try to follow... I do... it's really hard now because with the US, you've got a bunch of conservative um, voices leaving the Republican Party. So in some ways, it's really hard because you kind of agree with some of what they're saying, even though ultimately, you know, but when it comes down to it, there are some fundamental things that I will not agree with them about. Um, but at least we can all agree that fascism is bad, right? Like at least we can find some like where we thought we were all starting from is apparently not where we're all starting from. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I mean, I guess you can follow non-antagonistic people who disagree with you yeah. and people who are thoughtful in the, in, in the way they're expressing 
alternative viewpoints to you. Um, but I feel like at the moment we're not in a place where we can even have um, polite debates about stuff like that anymore. I mean, the reality for me is that on, with the exception of Instagram where I follow people who do a similar form of art to what I do, I follow almost nobody on either Twitter or Facebook that I don't know. Mm. Like I'm mm. not following celebrities. I don't tend to use it for news. Um, so I think I'm using it in a different way from what at least some other people do. You know, I know a lot of people, yeah. like I see the retweets of people who are like, oh, here's yep. my, and fine, if you want to follow your favourite authors, all that sort of, that's great. That, that works really well for you. But um, yeah, I think I'm quite happy with the way that I, use it so at least that's working um yeah and i think, I think the same the same point because i ended up going i'm a news junkie i want to be on top of the news as it's happening and so i went from following news outlets to following journalists yeah. that i like who report but then when they're reporting they're not necessary they're reporting but it's not you know how like for to be journalists for good journalism you have to have two sources before you can report something. Right. So when I'm watching them, I'm aware that that's just one reporter talking about what, you know what I mean? So then I then have Close to... Close um, opinion piece, classically. Well, I have to say, well, this is this could be something, but it's, it's not been confirmed yet, right? Yep. So it makes me more aware of what is true and how we decide true and what we decide, you know, like, like it makes you more critical of what you're reading. And, I, and probably that's a distortion of my perspective because most people, as you say, um, are following Kim Kardashian and um, whoever else. Um, and it's not, yeah, like we're not consuming it the way, like I don't, and, and there are platforms that I do not understand. Like I do not understand Instagram really. Like I'm on there, but I do not understand it. Mm. What do you think there is to understand? Because I'm not sure that I necessarily, I just, I have it for pretty pictures. Like, Yeah, I have it, I have it for, I barely use it in truth. So that's why I don't understand it. But I also didn't interface with it well, so I couldn't understand it, therefore use it. But people are interacting on there and I do not understand how people interact on there right? Like it's got a lot to do with how you tag things and how you find yeah. things, but it's not how I, um, yeah, like I watch people say, oh, um, we had, a, you know, I slid into their Instagram DMs and it's like, I, I don't even, you know, like I know that that function exists, but. Yeah, I guess yeah. I use it a little bit like uh, I do the social media, which is hilarious for a friend of mine who has very bad internet, but who wants to you know get her products out there uh you know the person i'm talking about she does amazing jam she lives in tasmania her internet connection's terrible so i she has sold stuff because of the tags i've used yeah, on instagram 100%. so yeah that's what i hadn't even it's thought about that menu. yeah yeah which is interesting um, she should probably also be on pinterest i hate to tell you yeah we're not i'm i just refuse too bad <laughs> she wants to do pinterest she can do it herself i am not going down that rabbit hole um, I think the thing about, you know, following celebrities and what that can mean, you know, the documentary touches on that, and I don't remember the guy's name, some basketballer, I think, who apparently went down a flat earth rabbit hole. Um, and all these people who then 
followed him down that and then he apologized, you know, read a little bit more or someone kind of took him aside and went, uh, buddy, like you've been on an aeroplane. Um, and, <laughs> you know, but the way that's set up in the documentary is to suggest, you know, this was something that he, well, from the way the doco sets up, you know, maybe he was interested in some other vaguely kind of conspiracy theory thing and then Facebook or YouTube or whatever else offered up these other um, videos. And so that's how he went down that rabbit hole. On YouTube? I think it was on YouTube. That I think that's what they said, yeah. Um, I think one of the really interesting things, getting back to what you said earlier and what was in the documentary, is that idea of the loss of truth. Mm. So, yes, following people that you disagree with can help with balance. Not everybody's going to do that. But I honestly hadn't really considered that Google, for instance, changes those. I hate the autofill, for one thing. Yeah. But the yeah. idea that you would, that I would get a different autofill in Melbourne from what you in Perth would get compared to what someone might get in Nairobi or Helsinki is I find that appalling I I think for me that was one of the most um distressing moments actually because it really reinforces that idea that the loss of universal truth and the guy who is like who was talking about that saying what if Wikipedia changed yes for individuals um, yes and that's in some ways what Google is doing I genuinely found that um breathtakingly horrible yeah well he said google doesn't have anything more true than clicks yeah which is why it changes it's based on what you're more likely to click on right because they sell they sell where you rank yeah in the search engine and that changes depending on where you are which means that you cannot rely on Google to give you the truth mm. because they only care about clicks. Or even accuracy, um, necessarily. Right. Yeah. I feel uh, in my head is different from truth, but I don't know how, so let's just skip over that. <laughs> I guess because truth isn't really universal. Um, and this is the sort of so like you're a scientist and I'm a historian and I have problems with that, but I can't defend it's still only an opinion right even historically it's still only it's still given through the the gaze of someone or something right like an accurate interpretation yes but like there are events that definitely happened but why do you know that they definitely happened documentary and archaeological evidence and this is where i start getting quite stressed through a which is still presented through a lens, right? Yep, absolutely. And we rely, we, re, we rely on evidence outside of that piece of evidence, right? The two, the two um, confirmations to make something true, right? Um, whereas in accuracy, you should be able to, yeah, like verify to something. But the idea that he said it would be like if you, if if I looked up something in Wikipedia, and then you looked up the same thing in Wikipedia, and it gave you different information, 
that's scary, right? Because because the scary thing is that how do you come back from that? Which is always my thing is how do we how do we repair what's being done? Um, And then he went on to say, is this the last generation of people who was going to know what it was like before the illusion took place? So now we're in the matrix. Mm. So, I mean, the historian in me says we've always had different perspectives. Nice. Not new, you know, Christians and Muslims, let alone Jewish people, had different perspectives on the first crusade a thousand years ago. Um, yeah. And a thousand years before that, different perspectives on the birth of Jesus, you know, and right. Pontius, uh, you know, and, you know, and Romans in Israel, all that sort of stuff. Like, so different perspectives isn't new and possibly even presenting those perspectives as truth isn't new mm-hmm. so what's what is new because I think there is something new here but I'm trying to get my head around how what is social media doing that actually is new and different and I think for problematic and I, I, I think in some ways it's that we're we're standing on quicksand so that you've got no way to ground yourself, right? The like, mass availability of it and the the speed, like lack of gatekeepers, like historians and chroniclers. I don't, I and, don't you know, know, we've argued that gatekeeping isn't necessarily a good thing, right? Like we've just spent 10 years on another podcast saying that. Yes. Um, but it's um, it's a... It's the ability to discredit um, fact-checking, for example, yeah. um, such that such that fact-checking now becomes also just an opinion, right? Um, and I think I think it's the lack of solid ground is what I think it is that we talk about it because. Um, even when you have alternate opinions, I guess um, they're still rooted in a um, in a school of thought, let's say. Um, and I guess, I mean, I guess if you if you're going to have a look at it as you know, I, I, I have a Jewish background, you would definitely have different um, rapinical interpretations of something. Yeah that would then build up an argument and that may then argue with each other. So we have, we do have um, like a series of um, books where you would see what the, what the rabbinical discussions are and you would have, and they're, you know, hundreds and thousands of years old and then you'll have it all recorded and then you could reinterpret it, but you're still, you've still got a ground beneath that that you're interpreting on right but here we no longer have solid ground because we don't because well because the masses of people are not doing anything other than taking what they're seeing as well it's on the internet so it's true and they're not Um, even really picking what they see on the internet you know they choose one thing and then the internet feeds them everything else and in some ways and in some ways it 
I think it even starts out, like I haven't seen it myself, um, but supposedly if you went fresh to YouTube, it will try and radicalise you in a direction. I think that's what they were saying, that if you... Oh, no, so after after we, we had our discussion, whatever, I wandered off to have a look at the resources that these guys have put together to see, like, what you personally can do because... Um, you know, I'm left with a whole bunch of moral questions. Um, and you can see how, yeah, how it, because, because it hasn't happened to me. And I, I, I worry, which is ridiculous because it hasn't happened to me, but I worry that, you know, like anybody can be radicalized, right? And anybody can um, be sucked into a cult, right? There's no, um, IQ requirement, like, uh, you know, less than this and that happened to you. There's no education requirement, you know, like there's no, like that can happen to anybody. Really intelligent people can get sucked into cults, right? So so it doesn't necessarily, you can't necessarily, well, I've been taught how to critically analyse things, so that's not going to happen to me, right? So I still have that fear about it. And also um, having grown up where I've grown up, there's a lot of teaching about how, how Adolf Hitler came to power and how, how that all happened. So, you know, with the idea that you need to always be on the lookout for this kind of thing. And so watching it, right, you're like, is this, is this what is happening? And what, what would I have done in that situation? So you're sort of like always thinking about that. Um, and yet I don't see, that hasn't happened to me in that I, you know, I worry. That's my dog, if you can hear that. Um, I worry that I could get sucked in by a conspiracy theory, right? Yeah. Except that the ones that are out there are so ridiculous that that hasn't happened, right? And I'm just, I'm just, you know, like like lizard people are in a pedophile ring yeah. operating, and uh, and Donald Trump is going to save us from that. That is like so ridiculous that you can't even, and yet millions of people ascribe to this now yeah right that's frightening um and so it's like well but yeah they're being radicalized in ways that um traditionally um terrorist organizations have used those same tools it's just that now youtube uses them yeah. but yeah so like that, I don't know didn't that. have access to twitter really yeah, I mean, he had the newspaper, but... What did you think about the way the documentary used the family and particularly the son and I guess the youngest daughter as well to talk about the way that social media works? I, for instance, I loved the fact that they talked about the extreme centre, that it, you know, as their political group of choice, they're not demonising either end, which would have been a really easy choice. Instead... Yeah. The ex the, I think the extreme centre is simply a brilliant piece of uh, kind of narrative for the documentary. Um, I ended up because getting a bit not, annoyed with yeah. the whole family thing, but I think that really? it was. I, I mean, I found the son really frustrating, <laughs> and maybe that's well, the point. I see the daughter terrified me. The younger daughter. Because, yeah, because I have a daughter. And I have a daughter who um, is already exceedingly well 
versed in the internet. So I have a kid who is an advanced reader uh, because she wanted to be able to um, operate Netflix herself and, and search YouTube herself, right? So I'm already in a position where I'm terrified that, um, okay, well, firstly, I, I made my husband watch this after I'd watched it the first time. Um, mostly because he's on his phone all the time, right? Like it was like this subtle, you should see this. But what he then did was get up and check my daughter's YouTube history. <laughs> um, which, which, which for the record was basically hundreds of hours of how to Minecraft videos. Um, so I've got a kid who I've, I've literally heard her go, I need to get better at at chemistry because my chemistry is really bad. She she just finished year one. Um, and um, as a result is um, advanced, right? So so you're like, well, this is, this is cool, but I am terrified that, um, that the internet is gonna harm her self-esteem. Yep. That that is my biggest, my biggest fear. Uh, and second to that is having a kid who gets bullied by the internet and then um, hurts themselves, right? Those are, those are my biggest fears. And I, and I actually just said to my husband, I think um, when you're not here, um, we're going to have to move the computer downstairs so that I can wander past all the time, which I'd always thought was going to be um, what I would do, mostly because I, I was worried about bullying, but I actually just want to make sure that she's not rolling through YouTube videos. And my son now, who is much younger, now has access to an iPad um, and can't read. So he is susceptible to that rolling YouTube thing. And mostly he seems to just be listening to um, uh, metallic German music. And I'm not, I can't, I'm just not sure where I stand on that other than turn it down at 5 a.m. But I, 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 how did he get there? I don't know. I really don't know. And there was this, this really hilarious chicken dance thing, which is where it started from, which was quite funny. And he would just be like listening to it all the time. Um, I don't know. And I he can't read. So I don't, I don't know what happens. But anyway, him, because he's so loud, I can kind of hear what it is. But um, that, that's why the daughter frightened me when, when it was, um, I think it was Snapchat or like whatever and wanting to like look more like your Instagram filters yeah. um, is is disturbing um, and and just speaks also to you can't you can't let the internet babysit your kids all the time you still need to be having discussions um, but the boy for me um, when they were oh we don't know where he is let's um, have a look. Oh, he must have broken up with this girl. Let's show him all these pictures of her, her, her new boyfriend kind of thing. Mm. Speaks to how that, um, what was the quote? The gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your behaviour and perception is the product so that it, it actively made him depressed because it was putting stuff in front of his face that in the real world offline you wouldn't necessarily see yep. um 
and then that changed the way he felt about him the way he felt that's kind of that that for me yeah is where it was sort of like that's the bit where people are getting depressed okay now I understand it it's not just the dopamine hits of new emails and new messages and stuff um it's also yeah what it shows you but that bit where the guy who was talking about how when you refresh you pull your finger down and then you let go of your feed and something new comes up every time and it's like gambling yeah um yeah that's that's pretty um glaring isn't it yeah it's just like i really resent being manipulated to the point where I'm like turned off now. Yeah, I'm I'm actively annoyed with like the way they work. I, I haven't deleted accounts. I've probably used them a bit less, although honestly that coming out in 2020 when, you know, I live in Melbourne and we were under lockdown for a while and actually being able to stay in contact with people via social media was actually really useful. So, and that reinforces, I think, the the really difficult dichotomy, which is, I don't know, do we want, do we, I don't think we want to get rid of social media. Even if, you know, uh, we could deal with all the people who are addicted suddenly not having access to their drug, that presents a whole issue, set of issues by itself. But as you say, Facebook and Twitter allow you to keep in contact with people that you would otherwise find difficult to keep in contact with. You get access to news, you know, in Perth from Nairobi or Helsinki or Chicago or wherever else. That's a great boon to be able to Mm. have access to the world. Yes. Um, By allowing more people. Yeah. And and we haven't talked about all the positive things, right? So so the democratisation of power, uh, you know, you can do a lot more at grassroots levels. We have we have a lot of ability to make things transparent yeah. and and as you say to um to as a world reach out. I think I think the issue is is that inherently uh humans are lazy yes. and we've just been mindlessly consuming without thinking about it. Yeah. I'm also not going to delete my accounts. Like that wasn't, it's, I don't know whether that means that I'm addicted, but but my social media allows me to stay in contact with people that I otherwise wouldn't. And, and if we were all to say, let's all move to something else, I don't believe a lot of those people would. And I'm not willing to give that up. However, However, I'm not going to consume it now mindlessly. So in the same way that you don't, you know, just throw candy into your mouth as you're watching a TV show and don't realise how many calories you've eaten, I I think you have to be aware of how and if you're being manipulated. So, um I thought it was really interesting. I was somewhere and I and I had I don't have TweetDeck on my mobile phone, so I was I was looking at the app and every second thing was an ad and they were all for weight loss. And I was like very deliberately not pausing on any of them so that it won't show me them again. Like it's like they take stock of how long you look at stuff. I'm not looking at that. 
don't show me that again. Yeah. And I think I think it's also a thing is that you can you have the ability to curate, and that we need to be more active in doing that. Um, you know, like I'll just leave you with the quote: "Our attention is a resource; they are mining for the expense of us, other at the expense of us, otherwise living a rich life offline." Yeah. Um, it's just made me be more aware of when I'm doom scrolling now. But I think also um, it's made me look at where I'm falling down holes because it's not just I don't I don't really use YouTube much other than if I'm specifically looking for something, which is I think why I haven't been radicalized or you know tried to radicalize me. Um, but um, uh, you know, like if you click on something and you read it. Oh, you know it'll be an article or something I'm I'm really trying to be more aware of like not falling down a hole and being aware of that yeah so I mean so far we've been talking about this as individuals but you have oh I, I mean I mentioned helping my friend who has a very small business selling homemade products but you of course with the press have yeah. used I think you've used ads on Facebook and of course when you've got new books out you're you have 12 planet social media accounts and you're yeah. you know yeah. telling people about those products through those media um yeah. has this changed the way you think about how you use social media for business like does it make has it made a difference well I mean and that's the thing that's the other reason why I wouldn't delete my accounts is because um how else do you find your customers or how else do you keep your current customers uh, informed and you know okay fine mailing lists but you know only 20 percent of people who receive your mailing list open it so it's not the only way to keep in contact with people i have used facebook ads well i've tried facebook ads i've tried amazon ads um I'm not sure that I've tried any others. Once upon a time, back in the olden days, I'm pretty sure we had Google ads for a while. Um, I think I think it was really interesting. Um, after watching it, I decided that I that I was going to feel okay with not paying for ads on Facebook anymore. That I didn't really want to be part of that. Um, manipulating people's perception idea thing right like I didn't I don't I don't I I previously decided I wasn't going to buy Facebook ads anymore but this then made me feel okay about that decision because now I'm not I'm not contributing to the profit of that yeah in some way because I'm still contributing but I'm not giving them money right yeah. I just I just pinged you on something on Twitter that has been a story that I've been vaguely following the last couple of days. That woman who I tweeted at you, whose name is, um, I need to tell you her name because it's important. Um, and I don't name, have my Twitter on my desktop quite deliberately. So. <laughs> her name is Nan. It's hard because it's still my business, yeah. which we'll talk about. So her name is Nandini Jammy, okay, and she used to be part of 
Um, the yes, Sleeping Giants, right? So she actually was the brain behind that, but she got um, she got ousted by the guy that she was working with. Oh, I remember because, reading about that. Yes, yes, yeah. because he, he went. He took all the attention, even though a lot of it was her ideas. Yep. Um. So I'm I'm following her now, and so what they were doing was trying to um, get um corporations to stop placing ads on um outlets like Breitbart or the NRA and stuff like that so it was just a political um way to defund um extremist um outlets or yep. points of view um because what happens is they just like buy ads and then they don't necessarily control where those ads show up and so this was about making corporations be more accountable for what they are technically funding. So she is just talking today in the last couple of days about how Uber had been spending millions of dollars on ad ads online that actually was a waste of money because they weren't really ads. So it was a scam, basically. Wow. So, so what, what she, yeah, what she actually has uncovered is that um, she, she kept her. So, what the way it works is that people who follow her um, movement email and let her know about where they've seen ads on things like Breitbart, and then they, um, they then. Um, uh, lobby the corporation to pull their ads, right? So there, there was a lot of that with um, after the um, the shooting in um, this high school in Parkland, Florida, trying to get corporations to stop funding um, places that were supporting guns in schools or whatever. So. Um, they were lobbying them and they're like, no, but we've pulled our ads. So, so inside Uber, the person they were, they were lobbying the CEO and he would keep going down to this guy and going, why haven't you taken action on this? Because we wanted to pull our ads, except he had pulled their ads, but they were still being seen. So he, he, um, so what he did was he, um, he, he turned off some of the ads and um, he was. He saw no difference in the new customers that they were acquiring, and so he turned off even more of their ad spend, and again saw no difference. So, what it turned out was that the um, company that they were paying was had actually put an app on people's computers. I think. So that when they searched for Uber, the advertising company counted that as a click on an ad and charged Uber, but actually it was an organic new customer. Wow. So, so the ad revenue and relationship of ads to, to sales on new customers was completely fraudulent. So that it's, the whole thing is fraudulent and I don't know which company it was, but what it speaks to and 
and what it backs up for my experience of being on Facebook was I saw no difference in sales with with mo- with money spent and the money spent was so-called views of my ad. So to me, it was a complete waste of my money. Yeah. Even though technically it was showing my ad of, say, a new book to supposedly people who are interested in that particular, in books and in that genre of books and that kind of book or, you know, whatever, supposedly. I saw no difference. So to me, it was like, I guess I'm too small for this to be a useful spend. So, I mean, I, you know, and I, and I'm, Amazon is a bit different, but I found that I spent a lot of money and I didn't get it back. And I don't know whether that's because of the way I was doing it or I didn't spend enough time. I definitely saw more downloads, but it still wasn't equitable to my spend, Mm. which is not is supposed to do advertising yeah so so I think there's a lot more going on with advertising than we actually know and that they were really talking about in that documentary but in terms of in terms of my point of view now going forward um I'm still going to be using those social media but I think I'm going to be using them differently and hoping for organic discovery yeah. and word of mouth, which is still word of mouth is always the most valuable. Yeah. Which can um, be facilitated through social media, of course. You know, you it allows somebody to share something and say, hey, I really like this or have you read this or whatever. Um, and then I guess, I guess also then being a gatekeeper of sorts in terms of um, being better at doing that too. Yep. And, you know, and then looking at, I guess, building up, not relying on social media as your only foghorn. Because we've got no guarantee it will always be there. No, Um, no, as those of us who remember LiveJournal. And I don't remember MySpace, but sure, you know, it's the same kind of argument, right? <laughs> uh, I know a, a lot of people who are, you know, a few people who, who told me, you know, there are a lot of, there are people in the world who only, whose only source of news is Facebook. And yeah, I don't even understand how that works. I don't even understand how that works. But yes, I mean, there are lots of people who only watch one news TV show Ever. You know, like I watch the, se- you know, not me, but they will watch the seven o'clock news or the six o'clock news on channel, whatever, and that's their source. But at um, least in that, you know, possibly except for Sky here in Australia, you know, those are, there's at least some, and again, you know, I guess gatekeepers there, you know, there's at least some sense of journalistic integrity or an attempt at, maybe balance accuracy truth now we're getting into difficult words you know if you're watching tv news there is still i would still have a hope an expectation that i'm not being lied to or not being yeah, lied I, to I, deliberately 
if they're standing at the scene of an incident yeah. and they're reporting what they've seen, yeah, I think... Now, maybe I think they'll that, use particular that, words depending on right. the colour of the assailant, for instance. And, uh, and also maybe they don't... Um, I guess that's the other thing that I've spent and I'm, it's another addiction that I'm sort of thinking about now in terms of this, um, my attention is the resource being mined, right? Like that is the bit that I'm still stuck on, um, is that the quality of the analysis and interpretation. Yeah. And that's the bit I think that you can't rely on one source for. Because I don't think any one person gives you a full um, perspective on a topic or an incident or a, you know. So Two different adjectives to describe an event from different sources gives you a completely different understanding of what's happened in that moment. Mm. And the context they choose to place it in and so on. And that's that's a nuance that you, that yeah, probably. But, yeah, in terms of truth, Mm. yeah. I don't know, maybe that's just like truth has always been, um, truth has always been shaky. It's just that definitely you didn't have to question it so much and so many people don't question it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, when I, whenever I see the stuff about flat earthers, lizard people, I just, yeah, the, yeah. I don't, I just don't understand how they're doing it seriously yes i saw a map Alex. somebody has made a map how all of these crazy conspiracies are related so with the phenomenon you actually believe all these outrageous things together they are all wow so pizza gate yeah. And the lizard people and the pedophile ring and um, the flat earth all are true and exist. And anti vax. Wow. Oh, and 5G. Climate change. 5G. Oh my. Oh. Yeah. All uh, of it. Yep. And that's where you sort of go, really, though? Like, mm, all of that's true. All of it. <laughs> And the rest of my mum was like, it's just at the point where they said the queen was a lizard person. I just couldn't go with you. Like that was for her. (laughs) The high tolerance level that your mum's got there. (laughs) I don't think she really immersed herself in it. Like she'd be like, wait, what is this? And I'd be like, oh, this. And I think she was just like, wait, but the queen, no. Uh, I mean, is that, that, that GOP guy, maybe, but not the Queen. That's fair. That's fair. Absolutely. But also, to me, like, so much of that nonsense is, like, a distorted version of prior conspiracies yeah. or propaganda that you're like, but I know where that comes from. That comes from, you know, the Nazi era where they were, you know, like, so, you know, it's not... Um, yeah, it's recycled. The, the flat earth one really annoys me as a historian because, I, I mean, like ancient Greeks knew that the world was round. I mean, the flat earth one annoys me because, like, it's stupid. Um, yes, but the argument has often been, you know, that Christopher Columbus was such a brave sailor because he believed the world was 
round and everyone else thought it was no it like every intelligent learned person in europe at that time knew the earth was round this was not new information so this is an argument that was done with like three and a half thousand years ago and social media now allows people to sit there and go, oh, Alex, you're such a sheeple. You're believing what you've been told, blah, blah, blah. blah. You do your own research. And I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. So I, I flew I to went London and I thought the earth was round. Believe me. It's like, yep. But yeah, the whole, you should do your own research. And then you're like, wait, but what research did you do? Like what? That's not research. That's yeah. not. Have you stood research. on a mountain and taken some measurements? Like that. No, but I research. saw guys do that. I saw guys do that on an end. Like I went to go like, well, but okay, why are you believing? Right. Because I'm always like, I'm terrified that like, yeah. even though I've got an education, I'd get sucked into these cults. And I'm like, well, but so what is this research? Yourself. I wanted to see what the research was that was so convincing, right? And I'm like, Chris, stand next to me to make sure I don't get sucked in, right? I don't, I don't want to end up like joining some army somewhere in a desert somewhere, because, you know, crusading or something. And they literally did that experiment, Alex, to prove that the earth was flat. Okay. That's a, that's a bad thing. Okay, yes. As per the way science works. Yeah their hypothesis was disproven. Yes. But that did not convince them that they were wrong based on the measurements that they had taken. That's not how science works. No. Did they think that there was something wrong with their measuring sticks? Yes. <gasps> they then... They blamed decide- their tools. The end of the video was not, oh, maybe the earth is not flat. It was, we need to do some different research, which is the same as what you can see going on right now in the US Congress, which is like, there's no way that Trump lost. Therefore, we want to be able to have more time to find the fraud. Not here is the fraud. Here is the fraud that we want to rail against and you are denying it. It's we've not yet got the fraud but not letting us spend more time to find the answers we are seeking to find the answers we want literally that's a literal quote it's like that's not but that's not so what we have is a fragmentation of like education we have a complete bastardization of the scientific and the historical method and it's even worse than that, using it to try and, mm, like Hitler using democracy in order to bring Correct. about an authoritarian Correct. regime. Correct. Yeah. Which is my, my current fear yeah. and that I think they're going to lose in two days, but we've got two years after that in which they could, you know, Hitler didn't rise in a weekend. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Turn off your notifications. And use social media to connect with people who will join with us in the grassroots democracy to combat fascism. So, and if you've come to the end of this and you're like, okay, I need to do something, which is usually what I do, um, the socialdilemma.com is a website that they've got set up and it's got a bunch of resources. Um, which I've just started looking at, but I'm going to be working my way through. So um, 
ways to, yeah, first of all, like get yourself off that dopamine hit and the manipulation of, oh, you haven't been using this app, um, come back in. Like choose when you're going to use the app, right? And then um, some other stuff, looking at the moral side of using these tools. We should use these tools. These tools shouldn't use us. 